0: especially this year is just, it's so crucial to vote because a lot of what we're voting for impacts people's like directly their lives, folks with disabilities, folks with um, with medical issues, people that we take care of, you know, it's, it's bigger than ourselves, bigger than yourself, it's bigger than... Just because you're not directly impacted doesn't mean the folks that you're friends with aren't impacted or even your parents, like you don't know. And it's, it's a lot to, to kind of take in all at once, but just educating yourself and being aware is so, 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 so important. So I think awareness is just self-awareness and then awareness of what's going on around you instead of like just being blissfully ignorant. Hello, hello,
1: hello. Welcome back to the selfie show, you guys. How is everybody doing? I know this last weekend, so Jacob and I took a little trip and did a little getaway weekend for my birthday that's sort of something that we have done that has become kind of, I guess, annual tradition for us is to just get away and use our birthdays as an excuse to do so. So instead of gifts, um, we just really focus on like a little event or something we do together. So we went up the coast the California coast. If you've never been, I highly recommend. We drive up the 101 and we make pit stops along the way. And we stayed in Avila Beach. It was absolutely beautiful. And it was just sort of like a re-energizing time. I feel like it's just something that we really tried to focus on is just... Recentering, reconnecting, recharging together. Um, I didn't answer an email, which felt great. Um, I did very limited social media. I do record while I'm there just because I feel like it's fun and that's just like my creative. Like, I just love doing that for you guys, but I didn't do work while I was there, which felt really good. Um, so, anyway, we got away. And I got back, and here I am recording this, realizing we are one week away from the elections. (laughs) Here we go. And it's funny because today's guest, Nurse Sarah, I'm bringing on, and I'm really excited about this. I actually, I had the intention of bringing her on. We had talked about it back in March when I started the show. And um, for various reasons, obviously COVID happened and then she got super busy and I feel like just the timing, it's funny how everything works out. The timing is great because this is the time I think I really want to bring her on and talk about this. Um, But before we get into her episode, we talk about this a little bit because obviously we are a week away from the elections, which is crazy to me. Um, I know everyone's over it. We're all just mentally like tuned out, but something that I think is really important is and we talk about this, is the importance of engagement and really getting engaged in what's going on. And I use this as a as a reference because this is probably one of my most favorite things to to reference people or to give you as a resource, which is I am a voter. Um, it's I'm a voter.com. This was founded by Deborah messing and Mandana Diana. and this is a nonpartisan movement and it's dedicated to creating cultural shift around voting and also civic engagement. And it's interesting because I've actually I've learned so much about voting. You guys can head over to their Instagram. it's I am a voter. And they honestly do a lot of really great education about voting, what your vote means, how to do so, you know, and they break it down by state and by county and how things work. But anyway, the long story short, too, is Jacob and I got home and we filled out our ballots. And we actually took a good solid, honestly, like an hour, an hour and a half. And we went through everything. And obviously, because the national election, you know, it is what it is, you guys, it's it's the heat of that's the topic everyone's talking about. But I actually think it's equally as important for you to be engaged in your local elections as well. And so we went through and what I kind of liked was we could do it from the ease of our home. In L.A., we're still on lockdown. Everything, you know, we're still not fully open. So I do not know how it is state by state, but it was kind of nice because we could vote essentially from the ease of our home. And then we're going to go hand in our ballots by now you guys hear this, we've already handed it in. But um, but it's interesting because, you know, we spent more time on this local election and, you know, really doing our, our research on who's behind each thing. So anyway, it's interesting because I'm getting more engaged in that. And I will tell you guys this, you know, obviously we're leading up to election and this has been a tough. This has been a really tough time for me to be engaged in politics. And we're going to talk. We're going to get into it today with Sarah. But um, it is. Something that we talk about is just the importance of being present today. And I, I just think that's like an overarching theme of our episode today. And so we're gonna get into it today with Nurse Sarah. She is a creative activist, a COVID frontline provider, mental health advocate and instagram twitter and tiktok curator and we're really going to be talking about raising awareness today you guys social injustice getting engaged forgiveness activism empathy we're going to go all over today with this with this particular episode i'm really excited to deep dive here and without further ado you guys let's dive into the show I'm really excited about this particular episode because you and I actually, we we were going to do this, was it back in March?
0: Yeah, a while ago.
1: A while ago. And it's funny because before we got on here, I was actually listening back to, you did not one, but two episodes on the WOMED with Danny. Yeah. And it's funny because I'm listening back to those and I'm like, we have such a different Sarah, I feel like. <laughs> like you've grown in such a way like the past couple months and I'm really fascinated by it and I think that your evolution as a nurse and also as an activist has really become like the forefront of who you are and so I'm really excited about sort of deep diving into that today.
0: No I agree it's it's been life-changing um the last eight months of my life um the year started off kind of rough you know we lo- lost someone in my family and And then we didn't get to get married because of COVID, so it's just, it's been, it's been difficult. And then working with COVID patients and the unknown in general, it's just, and then everything else going on in the country, like, it's been, like, a lot of stress.
1: This whole year is just, like, we need to cancel, we need to cancel 2020. I just have come to that conclusion. It's, it's really bad. But I'm really excited to kind of deep dive into your journey today. So um, so for people who don't know you, let's hear a little bit about your journey. Like, I'm really fascinated about how people got to where they are. So tell us a little bit about that, your upbringing and things like that.
0: So I was born in New Jersey. My mom moved there um, from the Dominican Republic um, about 30 years ago. Um, and they immigrated there um, started a whole new life in, in New Jersey and started from scratch. My mom learned English when she was here in, in the United States. And, uh, she met my dad at a laboratory. She worked as a laboratory tech. That was like her first job and the first thing she went to college for. And they met there. They had me. Like, shortly after meeting <laughs> and Aww. getting married. So, um, it's very different nowadays. I feel like people don't meet.
1: So, are you first generation? Yeah. Okay, yeah. that's cool. I'm second generation. That's why I'm asking. Yeah.
0: That's um, cool. And then we moved to Florida. And I've been in Florida since I was two. So, I didn't really spend much time in New Jersey. But I do, I like miss it. It's like nostalgic to think of um, the, sti- the city where my family started. And my mom became a nurse after moving to Florida and it took her like close to a decade of school because she started in Dominican Republic, she was in college in the Dominican Republic and then things don't transfer over so she worked hard in New Jersey, some things didn't transfer in Florida. So the time that it took me um, to get to where I am and the time it took her is like insane because she had to start, start fresh here in America even though she had a ton of lo- of knowledge. And she loves being a nurse. She's a NICU nurse like you. <laughs> uh, no, I was gonna ask you about that. What's that like
1: for you, like growing up being a NICU nurse daughter?
0: Yeah, she was my inspiration to go to nursing school. And I knew that I, I wanted to go to nursing school just from like being at her graduation. That was like a defining moment for me. And just knowing her love for, for her babies and, and her work I realized it was it was really special and that was originally what I wanted to do but there was a hiring freeze in NICU in my area and it was the only one in in the entire area so I just went to adults I was like I need to get a job I need to work I need to try and I've, I've really liked adults so far and I think I'm gonna stay in adults um, but yep two years just about
1: Let's dive through like what was your nursing school experience like? Like what was your journey? Like let's dive into that a little bit.
0: For me, thankfully, I lived with my parents. I was really privileged in that sense to to be able to live with my parents. I worked part time as a newborn hearing screener, and oh, yes, it was such a fun job. It, That's so cool. You work with like in mom baby with with the newborns that are with their with their parents, and then you also work in NICU. With the newborns that are usually kind of separated from their parents or especially right now because of covid like only one parent can stay and it's a whole mess but it it's it was a really fun job but it was a great job for nursing school because it wasn't high stress but i kind of wish i had like cna experience too before starting but
1: that's okay. actually that's a really interesting I literally had no idea that you could even do that as um, like a student so that's actually a great tip for people out there because that is a really you know typically when I'm re- recommending to people ways to kind of get experience in the field it's like cRNA tech scribe, you know, even secretary. But that's kind of a a really cool one. I had no idea that was even a
0: thing. Yeah, and I you don't need any college experience. You just need a high school education and then they do on the job training. And a lot of people don't know about it, but there's the little programs in almost every, basically every hospital. So you just have to look out for um, the positions. Usually they only hire women though. So usually they don't hire men just because on a mom baby unit there's the stigma, but um, I I absolutely loved it. But yeah, it was I I I mean nursing school. My first semester was really difficult. I just. Wasn't the type of person that ever needed to study, and then having to yeah. Yeah. I, see, and I was completely opposite. I was like, people like you, like could show up and like take the
1: test and be fine. And I'm like, people like me, who are spending, you know, days and days and days studying. Oh,
0: it's the worst. Yeah. Yeah, I'm the type of person that I can get a ten page paper. Cited done if I have the citations ready. I can type it up in like an hour before it's due and get (laughs) a (laughs) hundred But when it came to testing like it was a little more difficult for me And then I had to learn how to study for nursing school and and it's it's really hard to study for nursing school My biggest thing is to find friends and find a group because you'll stick together and they will help you pass um, and and studying groups is really good too
1: well, and I think that's a big thing to speak about about our profession as a whole and I would say actually healthcare as a whole right is like it's very collaborative and so the irony is like you're asked to do all these things so individually and to be honest, I don't feel like our testing is a very good indicator of whether you're going to be a good nurse or not The system for modern day nursing it doesn't feel very modern and especially where healthcare is going. So it's interesting because I do think, like, I love that as a tip because I think, like, really when you get down to nursing, it's you're surviving with people around you and you learn from people around you and it's collaborative and that one person doesn't have the answer for everything.
0: I kind of got in really early because I only did about two semesters of college before I got into my program and my counselor was saying that I wasn't going to get in for a whole another year and i was just like um let me see what i can do here and i did basically all the minimum prerequisites and then i got in contingent on passing amp two and a half semester in micro before getting in and i did thankfully but you know it's don't don't always listen to your counselors if they tell you that you can't do it because if you if you, like, make a list of what you need to do to get it, you can do it. Um, even even if someone's saying that it's going to take you a whole nother year to get in. They might not know what you've accomplished and, and your capacity. And they might not believe that you can do it. But but if you try, you can.
1: 100%. And I love the, the idea of, like, just tune out the naysayers. You know, I just think everyone is literally, you're paving your own way. And I, I really love that message as well. So moving into your role as a nurse, so you're in adult world. What is that like? Explain to me your workflow. Like, what is it like?
0: When do you wake up? What is your unit like? I'm night shift. So I work usually three nights a week. I don't really like to pick up too often. I just I'm too exhausted to do it. Yeah, (laughs) especially now. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a lot of people who, who are amazing and they and they do. But I just I don't think I could provide the best care if I if I worked extra. Um. So I, I wake up usually, I, my first day, I try to do three in a row. I wake up around noon after sleeping. Try, I usually try to get to bed early, so then I just sleep like a full 12 hours, if that makes sense. And I could sleep at any time, I'm, I'm a very good sleeper. And then I'll try to eat something, like read a book, try to still stay relaxed, but also awake, and then I'll cook, and then I'll be ready for work and then by the time Sean gets home, we'll eat and then I get to work. I usually leave my house at six and then the next day I wake up. I mean, I get home usually around eight, but I've been recently going to the gym. So I'll get oh. yes after. And I, oh I was inspired <laughs> by my by my coworkers who just they work oh. out so heavy and they do like amazing after the gym like after work and I I was like okay I need to do this because it's not working I can't go after like before so I
1: saw you post the nurses who you're talking about there's two of them I saw that and I was like holy this is those are the vibes I used to do I used to do that and I I love that I think it's so cool when people on your unit it's like this like little community where you can kind of start like you know you're all doing similar things and it's fun when you're kind of doing something especially when you're on night shift it's really cool to have that community that's like doing things with you and helps you kind of keep yourself accountable and
0: yes and like when we're like whatever they're like make sure you fuel yourself make sure you're eating more make sure you you have enough like And then if we like are eyeing some donuts in the break room, we're like, "Mm." (laughs) you know, we hold each other accountable, which is, which is really nice. And, and that's, it's been helping me with my energy levels and just kind of my mental health in general. Cause for the longest time I was just really not doing anything and just depressed in bed.
1: (laughs) Oh girl, I feel you. It's, it was easy to do that. Do you have like a bedtime routine? Like what's your routine? Like when you're on your...
0: I'll try to eat something like a little snack, nothing too, too heavy or anything. And then I'll drink... Some water. I'll try to chug some water to recuperate from the night before, and then and then I just go to sleep. I'm really good. I I take my puppy out first and make sure he eats, and then he sleeps in bed with me all day. (laughs) I love that. And then I'll wake up at like 4:30. Do you have blinds like like sleeping wise? They're they're called like blackout curtains, but they're not. They're really not. But I can sleep anywhere. Honestly, that's I'm really lucky. There's like night shift folks who just they're like, oh, I slept two hours. It was enough. I'm like, I don't know how you're doing that. I need like seven. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. I'm just I'm the same way. Well,
1: so my issue, I think I, I started really getting like feeling like I couldn't. My max year was probably like year five where I was like, I cannot do this anymore. Like I I was starting to I couldn't sleep so I was sleeping like maybe two hours and I would start getting this like metallic taste in my mouth I would lose like my sense of taste I started getting like loopy because I just was not sleeping so I like hit my max I think it was like year five it was fun in the beginning because in the beginning it's like all your friends and you're kind of doing it and I was like working out and so but some yeah. people do it
0: forever like your yeah. mom and they like are so good at it and they love it and yeah. I'm like thank god you have god to have uh, someone right? <laughs> to do night shift <laughs> And shift is tough. It's like you're working, there's way less people there, and you have no support, and it's just the nurses basically and the CNAs. And you have usually, well, on my hospital, you have like one on-call physician, but they are the ones admitting. So you really don't want to call them and interrupt that process in the ER. And then if there's any codes in the ER or any emergencies, they're there for that. And then you have like PAs and MPs who really help you with orders. But other than that, like you're bah. avoiding calling specialists cause you don't want to wake anyone up unless you absolutely have to. So you're kind of figuring things out on your own.
1: Well, I think it makes you resourceful as a nurse, you know, and I think that's, it's actually a lot to be said for that. What, it, what type of unit are you working on? Like, can you dive into like the patient population and you know, what you see on
0: the daily? So I was working on an OBS floor before, which is observation you try to the stay is usually like less than 72 hours they either go home or they go to um, an inpatient floor for for further treatment but um, i really enjoyed that for a while and then i realized i was burnt out from it and i was exhausted and i wanted kind of to see my patient's story see them progress and just be on a higher acuity floor um, i learned a lot there though so now i'm on a surgical pcu and i really I'm really enjoying it we get a lot of post-op patients from like colectomies um, patients with chest tubes people with feeding tubes um, it's kind of more it's it's sometimes like your patients are like stepped down from the ICU if there's no beds if that makes sense and we get people who are ready to transition from ICU they usually go to our floor so it's it's a lot higher acuity and I really like it um, I worked like five months on the medical PCU that was the COVID cohort unit. So I was there for a long time, went back to my old unit on OBS and then realized I needed to make a real change. So now I'm here the last two months and it's also half COVID cohort unit. So I see COVID um, every, every week, usually at least once a shift. That's crazy. I mean, and something
1: that I think is a bit unique to you is you are on, I would say the, the younger side, you have experience now, but on the younger side of your career. And what I think is crazy is you started working as a COVID frontline provider in March and the amount, I mean, I know, I know cause I was watching you through a lot of this. Um, I, I could only imagine the heaviness of carrying that as I, on a newer side of your career and you've shifted, right? Because you were feeling that burnout. Can you talk a little bit about that, and you know, deep dive into what was going, you know, what you were experiencing? Um,
0: I I feel like the COVID, just working COVID, made me a better nurse, a hundred percent. And it's, I think it, it, I think it helped me grow like even faster. Made me realize what I wanted in my career, um, and also just be able to ad- adapt in something that's so new, something that's so different. And I learned a lot more about, you know, respiratory illnesses and how quickly people can decline and go into respiratory distress and and codes. And the problem is with COVID is these patients are sicker than you could imagine sometimes, and they could be doing really well and then decline very rapidly within minutes to hours and you don't know which one of your patients is gonna go or if m- multiple of them are gonna become very sick overnight. So that gave me a lot of it, like kind of adrenaline but also some anxiety and, and it, it was really frustrating to, to see how this virus could, could uh, like attack someone's body. And in the very beginning, when we didn't know how to treat it, we didn't know what the best options were, and we didn't know what it was going to throw at us, you know, it was awful because you'd have MET teams left and right, which is like rapid response. You'd have code blues. The number of times that it would go off in the whole hospital was insane. Like it's just unlike anything in my first year as a nurse and also the amount of death that we saw and that I saw I mean I didn't I never saw a patient like I only had like one code in one year and with COVID like the last few months you know it's constant but at least like it's getting a little bit better because we're we're starting to manage symptoms better we know what works and what's not working and we're figuring it out but in the very beginning it was really tough and it's I feel worse for like even newer nurses who who started like in March and having to go into nursing with that chaos on top of, you know, not having proper PPE in some hospitals and a lot of hospitals, especially in the beginning, like the cleaning process to me was just really strange. Oh yeah. For it's all just of this, it still is. Exactly.
1: <laughs> I'm like some of it still is crazy. Yeah, it can be really frustrating. And I feel like I feel like this pandemic has really brought on just a new level of burnout with everybody. I mean, I've seen nurses here on social media who've been very open about I I left the bedside. (laughs) I'm over it. You know, can you speak to your decision to moving units and what that was like? And what you did was so important and such a great message, like shift, you know, you have to shift if you're feeling that can you Can you walk us through your decision?
0: Yeah, so I realized that I was super anxious going into work. I realized I wasn't happy. I was going through the motions. It wasn't making me happy. Like, just doing anything that I was doing, it just, it wasn't enough. And I felt like I wasn't doing enough for my patients. And really, the reality just was that I didn't have uh, a workplace that was, what's the word? It's just where you could follow through with with what you're you're doing so you weren't seeing your patients progress they were going to other floors or they were going home or they were going to you know you you just didn't see what you like the effects of what you did so I was feeling frustrated by that um I wanted to learn more I felt like I had already kind of mastered that floor not exactly but like I kind of knew exactly what I was going to get into every night. It was the same thing over and over again. It was a lot of admissions, a lot of transfers, uh, even discharges. So it was just a lot of the routine patient care. And I mean, in the beginning when I first worked there, it wasn't exactly like that. So it's just, it was a lot. And you have to just recognize that in yourself and, and just being when you're unhappy in that sense. It's really hard to realize it because for a while I didn't realize it, but l- like working COVID on a different floor made me realize how burnt out I was on my actual unit. Because I was really happy even though I was working a lot harder. I was in full PPE every shift. I was sweating my butt off, you know. Yeah,
1: I can only imagine. But
0: I was so happy. And I I went back to my old unit and I realized wow, like this is such a shift. Like I would rather be working COVID on a different floor than being here. And when you walk onto your floor or you float to another floor and you are happier floating, that's when you know that there's yeah. a problem. Yeah. Cause we know we hate floating, but like I, like I floated yeah. to the floor that yeah. I'm on now multiple times and everyone's like, you're crazy. That floor is so hard. Everyone hates that floor. Like they're always short staff. I'm like, I'm gonna transfer there because i i like it i like it a lot i know i'm i'm weird but i like to work hard (laughs) i love that though and i think that's such a cool
1: message you know and i'm sure i mean do you feel like part of it is i'm sure it's your crew too you love who you're working with you know and i feel like i
0: miss i miss the people that i work with on my old floor because they were they raised me you know as a baby nurse but it was time to leave everyone. And a lot of people that I first started with also left. So that's kind of also the sign that it was time to go was the mass exodus.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, I went through that also probably my three and a half years in. We had a mass exodus for my first job. And I have a, yeah, you know, it's sometimes there's times to leave and there's also times to go back. Um, I think it's a really interesting thing to talk about these journeys because I think that's what makes it in nursing, right? It's like you can try so many different things and you can shift and i think to really listen and tune in to what what you want as a nurse is really really important especially with all the burnout going on right now i was so scared to
0: just even tell my bosses that i wanted to go but, I know. but they knew that i wanted to go they could tell because i was just i wasn't myself i was numb for for like a couple months and it was affecting my home life too i would it was like, Sean was just like, you, you look you look so sad. Like, are you okay? And I was not okay.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What's it like going into work for you now? Like, what's the shift been like for you?
0: Um, I really love it. Like, I will leave work sometimes and I'm just like singing and like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm, I'm a very bubbly person and for some time I was not... I was not bubbly. (laughs) I was just a dark cloud of sadness. (laughs) And now I'm just back, you know. Well, and I love this.
1: I mean, I'm glad, too, you're talking about that. And another aspect of you that I, I love is you're so open about mental health awareness. You know, over here on my little platform, I've talked about, you know, my family's struggles with mental health. And we opened up about my brother's bipolar and our struggles with substance abuse and my own personal anxieties and the things that I struggle with, you know, and I think something that's been awesome is you're opening up about it too. And you're talking about it. Can you deep dive into that a little bit? No news here, how important mental health is to me and my community here, you guys, BetterHelp.com. This is the best resource I can possibly offer all of you. Whether it's individual, couple, or teenage counseling, this is the best online resource for accessible, affordable, invaluable mental health support. So I have partnered with BetterHelp to provide a better way for you and your loved ones to get the help that you deserve also not new news here you guys i'm using it myself i started using this about halfway through the pandemic when i started struggling with my own deep-rooted issues and anxieties and things that were popping up that i just had no idea where they were coming from so i started using this and now i am on a bi-weekly basis and honestly this has been one of the best things that i could offer to you. So head over to betterhelp.com forward slash selfie to get 10% off of your first month when you sign up. You guys, you take a quiz. It is super easy. It takes about 10 minutes to do and it really personalizes someone to what you need, which I also love because sometimes it's just kind of a crapshoot, you know, when you're trying to look for someone that you just mesh with. So this one really helps target and narrow down who you're going to be working with which is honestly how I feel like it should be anyways. So head over to betterhelp.com forward slash selfie. That's betterhelp.com forward slash selfie for 10% off your first month. All right, you
0: guys, let's head back to the show. So I started my page, um, it'll be two years in January, I think. Um, but really uh, the, the first few things I talked about was how I went to therapy before starting my first nursing job and how life-changing that was because I was severely anxious and I felt just down all the time and I was also worried about how that was gonna impact the way I worked as a nurse and the stress of starting a new job and going into the nursing field because it's really not cookie cutter, it's not Grey's Anatomy, it's nothing of the sort. It's. It's really tough, especially when you start as a new grad, because you realize that the textbooks didn't really teach you what it is to be a real life nurse. And if you don't kind of recognize that that's okay. you're going to like feel like an idiot. You're going to hate yourself and you're going to be so upset. You're like, why did I even go to nursing school? Like, did I even learn anything? What was the point? So every time that you, you know, either make a mistake or you don't know something, you're going to beat yourself up. So I needed to find some coping mechanisms, and so I went to to therapy before starting my first job as a nurse, and it was life-changing. I was there for about four months total, I would say, and you kind of, with therapy, you kind of start doing like two times a week, and then you go to weekly, and you taper off as you go, depending on what your needs are. And that's that's how it was and and they offer you like if you want to do medication i opted out because i didn't feel like i needed it but if i did need it you know they would have told me and, and but i was do- diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder so it was good to like put a name to what i was feeling all the time and kind of learning how to manage it and and i'm so grateful for that experience and I wanted to be open about it, so I started sharing that part of my journey, and it was sad to see so many people, like, say, I've been trying to do that for so long, or I've been hiding my feelings for so long, and you helped push me to go ahead and make the make the leap. Because the stigma is so strong, it's just a wall that's in front of so many people, and it's, it's heartbreaking because... Some of the things are so simple ways you can manage your stress, your anxiety, ways to get through your depression, or if you need medical management, you could always, you know, have those options as well. But without the access and without getting through that stigma, it's really difficult. So that's 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 why.
1: <laughs> yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I I think another aspect of it is that you know we're healthcare providers and we're not supposed to have these feelings. We're not, you know, there's this stigma not only around mental health, but being in healthcare. It's like, you know, we have this perfect bubble or this perfect image of what we're supposed to be. And it's funny, because I mean, I talk about this all the time. I'm like, when, when we were going through our crisis as a family, I had no idea. First of all, I didn't understand what was happening. And I didn't, I didn't recognize the signs in what was going on between my brother. And then, Not only that, I didn't know who to turn to. I mean, there was times where I was like, I didn't know if we were calling 911 or trying to get him admitted or this lack of information or this lack of support for families that are going through things like this. And not only that, as a provider, like my own struggles, it's, I think it's really important to talk about. And I'm glad, like, you know, I see more and more providers just being open about it and talking about it and bringing resources and bringing awareness to it. I think it's just, we're in that time we need to be talking about it.
0: No, 100 percent. It's 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 hard, but it's so important. And you have to set aside yourself and realize that you, your patients and the people around you might be going through similar things. So just you pushing yourself to kind of express that and and just let it out might help save lives even.
1: Yeah, actually, it really could. Speaking of which. So this year, 2020 has been an absolute just, you know, crazy year and what i have i really loved watching is this aspect of you becoming such a passionate activist and that's a very specific definition right it's like you have truly taken on this role and to give people a little context like where did this all start like how did you really like start sinking your teeth into
0: this yeah so i mean you could ask people that i went to high school with that you know know me and know my story. They know that I have been passionate for a very long time and you know ever since I kind of got my own political beliefs, you know, as a as a teenager because it it starts you can start young knowing like how your family influences you and all these different things. But really there has been so much going on in terms of police violence, and it's been happening for a very long time, there's so much injustice in this world. And, you know, to not, to become an adult and, like, not really pay attention is, it's really frustrating for me to see people my age not care. People become socially conscious either early on or are after, through adulthood. And for me, like, just probably senior year of high school, that's when I started really to pay attention to what was going on around me. And I was very vocal about my feelings about that, and a lot of people didn't like that. And like, there's people who I went to high school with who still talk about me to this day, who are fans, I would say that in quotation marks, who look at my social media now and they still have something to say, which is really funny. And like they literally like talk to my best friend from high school, and they're like, "Don't tell Sarah I said this." And they talk, <laughs> you know, and it's so funny. Yeah, you're like, "Are you kidding me?" But, but really, like my passion for social justice—it's—it's it's been there for quite some time. Um, I've I've spoken about maternal mortality and racial disparities in healthcare from the beginning on my on my platform. You know, seeing things unfold in terms of like Black Lives Matter, all of that. It's, it's been really sad to see certain aspects of it, but also really great to see people come together. And I've been really proud of that. And I feel like having a platform that I've been graced with and working hard to build it up, I think it's so, so important to use, especially my platform that reaches healthcare professionals and patients as well, to speak up. And to me, speaking up is, is using my voice and my platform to kind of amplify what's going on, to not allow, I guess, people who wanna stay neutral to affect how I, I react to things. And I feel like sometimes I can be very reactionary. I can see something and be upset very quickly. And I've tried to f- try to fix that a little bit, but for the most part, I just have a really like deep passion for like social justice and speaking up and it's and it's been I think a good thing especially on my platform and I I feel a responsibility. It's also really scary because there are these groups online who um like send death threats constantly who threaten my home like Sean gets really upset about it because he's worried that someone's gonna be like empowered to or emboldened to do something real about what I have to say. And it's so frustrating that me wanting to speak up for folks who are underrepresented, who are just attacked constantly. And truly like, I'm a white woman in America. I am Hispanic, but people don't know that because I don't look Hispanic. Yeah, you know? same. So I, You and I are very yeah, much in I a similar boat, right? I benefit so greatly yeah. from that. Mm-hmm. And, like, I don't fear for my life walking out the door, whereas there's people who have a different skin color than me. Black Americans in America just walk out, and their lives are so different. You know, when I have kids, like, I won't have to tell my child to be afraid on a playground and to behave a certain way so that they don't get hurt by um, folks in, a, in authority, you know? I don't have to ask, like during a traffic stop, my child to not move a muscle, not flinch, not blink, in order to avoid them getting hurt, you know what I mean? And like all those things, it it weighs on me and, it, and just, there's just so much that goes into it. And then the whole a whole different layer is the impact on healthcare. And that's that's always on my mind as well. Because COVID's a great indicator of how our hospitals are failing. Our minority patients they people are dying at a disproportionate rate and it's directly correlated with COVID directly correlated with access to care directly correlated with um the the amount of money that these hospitals have if you have it's just a lot <laughs> yeah it is and, no you're right 100 and i've gotten you know i've lost like followers but that doesn't matter because i'd rather have a, a group of people who care you know, who are part of, who are paying attention to my platform. You know what I mean? People who want to help make change. And that's what's important to me. So like the hate and all that and the weird DMs, and the,
1: you know. Well, okay. So let's put this in a timely context because, you know, we're in an election year, right? This is the worst time for all this to be happening. It's like, you know, it's, it's like, we're in this crazy time of this, super polarization right and it's interesting because I was just watching this I think it was about a week ago Lizzo made this amazing post she um essentially was saying her her sum up of the video was be present and it was interesting because it was actually very um what I thought was interesting about this video was it wasn't like blue or red Her whole message was, we need to get back to humanism. We didn't grow up, you and I, even maybe because you're a little bit younger. I was in middle school watching the Twin Towers fall. And I watched our country go to war. We both did. And since then, and I would agree with her, she was kind of saying in a loose terms, like, we've never really had, like, a good moment since we are not our generation has been in this constant fight or flight and it's been heightened even more so over the last couple of years and what's hard is like for me for example i just guess i feel like for the past couple of years to be honest i've kind of tuned out right like i feel like i am so turned off by politics period doesn't matter what side you sit on i'm just turned off i'm like this you know this grind against each other and it's just I don't think it's healthy it's not good for me however and something that she brought up is you need to be present you really need to be engaged in what's going on and this year more than ever I really think this is the year where we all need to come together as human beings like that's more powerful to me humanism is more powerful than in my opinion than politics like we really need to get back to how do we really support one each other on a human level? And, you know, I hope that and I agree with you. I do think I that this is sort of like we're in the marathon of this. Like this didn't just happen. Civil unrest didn't just happen. And then it's just going to die off. Like we're in a very long like this has been going on for a while. And I think it still has a lot of momentum and people are still having conversations. And I think I want to be in that world where we can have open conversations and people don't have to like jump down your throat and go for the jugular. It's like, let's have a conversation. Let's talk about things. Let's get to the root of the problems. And I agree with you in healthcare, there are 100% there are disparities. There's, I mean, I, for example, I talk about this all the time. One in nine babies is born prematurely, right? And a significant amount of that is African American black women, There's a huge number of our population that come prematurely, um, the infant mortality rates. So I couldn't agree with you more. And I think the bigger picture and what I love and what I see in you is that you're trying to cultivate that culture of like, let's talk about the things that are happening. Like, let's bring awareness to it and then let's find a solution.
0: And it's kind of it's just it's about paying attention to the root cause instead of focusing on. You know the disparity itself. It's like, why? Why is this happening? And like, for maternal mortality, like, there's this amazing nurse who I, I just idolize almost, named Monica McElmore. I saw her at a women's health conference, and she spoke on maternal mortality and morbidity. And she she spoke on how, imagine like walking into a clinic for. Routine prenatal care. And every picture on the wall is of a white family and a white baby. Everyone. Who, do, who checks you in? A white clerk. Who's your obstetric, obstetrician? It's another white provider. And what microaggressions do you experience while you're there? Do they say, because you're a black woman, where's the dad? You know what I mean? Like, is that going to make sh- is that gonna make sure that you come back for prenatal care? So those are all little things that people might not think about that impact maternal mortality. And she made the best example on Serena Williams. She has a dietitian. She is in the best shape of anyone in this country. She still suffered, almost died in childbirth. So the correlation is there you know it's bl- being a black woman cheat it's interesting because actually along this bloodline
1: just last week this happened to me so i work at two nicus and um one of which we serve an underserved population in la area and um we serve a heavily african african-american black um community and i had a mom who she had asked early on for um, an OB, a black OB. And this was a process as she was going through her, um, delivery and her care and things like that. And she told me, she was like, I, I really wanted a black OB. And of course there was no one on call. Um, she was asking for it. And initially my gut reaction to that was honestly like, why do you care? You know, like I was like, what I'm going to give you just as good a care as anybody else. But then it's funny. Cause I checked myself and I was like, you know, maybe there's a lot of validity that, like, maybe she's really feeling like she is going to be heard from a provider who understands what she would be going through or the way she would be saying something. Or, you know, and it's interesting because my gut reaction was to be like, well, whatever, like, I'm going to give you or you, another OB could give you just as, as much care. And actually, now I'm kind of like, mm, you know, maybe there was a lot to, there was a lot of validity to what she just said. And I think hearing, hearing people and understanding where they're coming from and it's funny because because of that and her experience because she never did get an OB that she really wanted to be quite honest I really tried I spent extra time to really get to know her and to really hear her out and to really so it's interesting because I did feel this like little shift in myself and I think that's something that I hope people can also follow through with is it takes those little micro moments like, okay, she was able to put down the request for a black African American nurse. And I spent extra time and I really tried to hear her out. And I just hope that that is something that we can move towards. Like, can we start hearing women and hearing these, it's not just women, it's everybody, it's doctors who are fighting to get into med school it's you know the person who has to take that extra time and the extra studying and push through those barriers and those people that have to spend the extra time to research loans to get into into schools because they can't afford it because they come from a place of underserved population like those are the considerations we have to be
0: making instead of like immediate dismissal you know of of people's feelings just because we don't have we're not in their shoes, and it's another thing with that is like when it comes to entrance exams, like the MCAT, TEAS, HESI, they're expensive. And do they really dictate who's eligible to become a nurse? They also are a barrier of, of access to, to a nursing program and becoming healthcare professionals, like your dreams. And, and if, if a test like that, like a MCAT or a TEAS is the only reason that you're not in your program there's got to be a better way yeah. you know what i mean 100 i it's funny
1: because i didn't have to take the teas. i don't know when the teas really kind of came around i never had to take them but it's interesting because i get more comments about those damn teas than anybody everyone's like so you know and it's interesting because to me even the way that we test in general in Uh, at least in the nursing world, I can't speak to medical, but I still don't think it's a very accurate way of how we're supposed to be giving care anyways, not to mention the fact that I agree with you, like having to pay for that extra test, drive to the center, have to do all these things. It's like, those are things I take for granted, right? Like I had, I was lucky enough that my parents, you know, I had a a hand-me-down car in high school, it was still hand-me-down, but I had it, but I had access to that, right? And it's like, I never even thought twice about that but now it's like okay i actually pay attention to those things like oh you know what i did come from and i i own that i like you i wear that in the sense of i did come from privilege and although i was half latin and i grew up latin mexican i grew up in a white society but i never felt that um stigma i never felt like i had this on me and it's interesting cuz i do feel This obligation to give back and to support. And of course, I'm nowhere near the level that you are in your true activism. But if someone's sitting here, like let's say Katie's sitting here listening to this, and they want to somehow implement something in their lives, what are some action steps that they can take in their everyday life to really, you know, take on a good cause and to get involved and to help?
0: Um, I think if you're able to. Um, use any like money if you have the privilege to put any money to value. Like there's some great organizations like the Student um, Medical Association. It's really good um, for it's basically made created to help empower um, Black and minority medical students and getting them access to oh, medical awesome. school. So that's a really good one. S N M A. Student National Medical Association is a really good one. But if you're able to put monetary, like money where your mouth is, that's what I like to say. If you're able to put even a dollar towards an association that would help in your community or nationally, that's really important. Then it comes to just looking inward and learning and stopping yourself when you have those thoughts where you don't put yourself in someone else's shoes and you're immediately judgmental. And that's very easy to do in nursing because you have people come from every walk of life and we see each other judge folks who are alcoholics or who are going through addiction. Yes, and you Drugs. know exactly what yes. I'm talking about and the yes. stigma that we put in. Yeah. Yep. yes a heroin mom you know she comes yeah. in or they're and you like just oh put they're that a drug seeker yep. because they keep mm-hmm. asking for pain medicine at this time it's like well if they've been on pain medicine for a long time and you don't give it to them at the time that they need it usually their pains gonna be excruciating because they have a tolerance to that pain medication and you can't control that who are you to say that they shouldn't have this pain medicine at this time unless they are physically you know not doing well and their blood pressure is low or their respirations are low that's different but just because you are judging someone based on a stigma we gotta gotta let that go and there's so many little things that are are microaggressions that nurses especially might be contributing to because we're jaded and we see the same thing all the time and we get yelled at all the time and that's unacceptable to get yelled at by any patient but at the same time it's so so crucial to look inward and say "Hmm, maybe my thoughts on this are because I haven't been through what that person has been through I don't know right why they got into this or that or the other I don't know the abuse they've gone through I don't know their story so that's so important is just being conscious looking around you and realizing that my rights as a person in America are not being infringed upon, I'm not oppressed. So this isn't affecting me. But the person that I work with who might have like underlying medical conditions and needs good healthcare, the Supreme Court affects them. So the way I vote affects them, it affects my patient, it affects like their insurance, like my chemo patients, like their access to care. So being someone who's advocating for like an affordable care act, medicine that that everyone has access to, that's really important. Or when it comes to just realizing that certain um, politicians or people that we elect can impact how trans folks get care or like are even oppressed and and could be murdered because we don't give them the rights that they require. Like, it's just a lot. And just being aware of what's going on and how our, like, it's so hard to explain, but how the way way we vote impacts people other than yourself is really important. And that's why just, especially this year, is just, it's so crucial to vote because a lot of what we're voting for impacts people's like directly their lives. Folks with disabilities, folks with um, with medical issues, people that we take care of. You know, it's it's bigger than ourselves, bigger than yourself. It's bigger than just because you're not directly impacted doesn't mean the folks that you're friends with aren't impacted, or even your parents. Like, you don't know, and it's it's a lot to to kind of take in all at once but just educating yourself and being aware is so 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 important so i think awareness is just self-awareness and then awareness of what's going on around you instead of like just being blissfully ignorant if that makes sense
1: yeah i think being present and really getting engaged right now is huge i'll link this in the in below but i got really interested um Uh, Deborah Messing, I think, and I forget the other gal's name, started an amazing organization called I Am A Voter. And I love everything about them because they're really, they're really not, you know, they're very neutral in the sense of it doesn't matter who you are, but this is the year to really be present and get engaged. And they have this amazing Instagram where they help to educate, educate, us, you, me, our generation on a level that we understand of what it means to be a voter when you're voting. What does it mean? They really break down each, you know, the dynamics of it, Senate versus Congress. Cause to be honest, like so many of us, I mean, I will, I'll be one to admit like I was, I have been so disengaged. I'm just, I'm so turned off by it because I think the amount of anger and frustration from both sides and just the toxic awfulness of our mass media and it's like it just is so distasteful to me it's like can we I don't I truly don't understand it to the core of my being and it's hard because I'm I am finding the ways for myself to get engaged and I really do like that as a resource for everyone because I'm like You know, it's neutral. It's letting people just you can kind of understand what it is, what the value of your vote is, um, the resources of where to find it. And I think that that, that's where I want to get to. Like, can we get to the human part of this? And I think being present now more than ever is so important, really understanding exactly what you're saying, like what your vote means, where it's going to think bigger, like how is this affecting all of us? And I hope in our generation and in our lifetime, I truly hope that we can get to a place where it's not like, who's red, who's blue? It's like, let's get back to human. Let's get back to how we can help our people. And like you said, like, let's get to the root of this. Let's stand together. And, you know, I just don't think it works for our generation. I don't think the whole black, the blue and red, it just, it doesn't, it doesn't work. And I think getting really to... Let's get down to how we truly help people. How does legislation help people? How does activism help people? How do we get the message out there? Like that is far more important to me overall than the idea of what side are you on? Like what's right and what's wrong? What's good and what's bad? Let's let,
0: let's get there. And amplifying the needs of our communities, you know, and, and what's directly impacting everyone. And as long as we give that a voice, then hopefully the folks in power will be emboldened to make change. And as if we have a strong collective voice, they just have to, because it's, it's, it's ridiculous otherwise, you know? So I want to break down the importance
1: of this, because you've been on social media, and you're on all the platforms that I'm not. So I want to talk about the dynamics of this. So you're on TikTok, is that correct? And then Twitter. Instagram those are kind of your main ones so what have these done for you in the sense of your activism like walk me through this
0: Instagram has been really great because I have met some incredible people through it I've met a lot of amazing friends and like yourself <laughs> and that's been wonderful yeah, and then it, it, it. gives it's given like their algorithm has given me a kind of a stage to speak up and you know have, have just a lot of kind of power in a sense and, and responsibility to, to help create change. Um, we've, we're able to, um, have a campaign to get food to nurses during COVID, which that was amazing. My friend, Sarah, well, and Michael blue feed here nurses, feed hero nurses. Yes. So we got, I think over 50,000 meals, maybe more. Yes. All over the country.
1: Oh my God, it's amazing. Wait, so how did this start? How did that all happen? Because I know you and Sarah like popped on that real quick. You guys did such a good job. Yeah,
0: so I was like, Sarah, what is this? Can I be involved? So I was kind of the social media person and the person basically blasting it out on social media because I had the bigger platform and it it grew and we partnered with Postmates and it was just it was amazing it was a blessing it was one of the best parts of this year for me was to be able to get food to um, not only the staff at my hospital but also staff all over the country which was just phenomenal um that was a great part so that and then other activism like we were able to we did, I did a giveaway with my friend on um, Instagram, the ICU We were able to do a giveaway where if the folks donated at least a, do- a dollar to the SNMA, um, they'd be entered into a bigger giveaway, and then we get, each gave fifty dollars of our own money to the SNMA. So we raised like I would say close to three hundred total. So that was really good. So there's there's just a lot of good to be to be done on Instagram, I feel, and also just hoping that people register to vote using my platform to to speak up on that matter, and then on mental health as well. So Instagram has been great. I think it's been my most steady platform and the one I post the most on and focus on. And then Twitter, Twitter is is different. You are able to engage in discourse more. You're able to just, there's a whole lot of healthcare professionals on there. There's a lot of doctors who are verified on there. There's quite a few voices on there and um, on there, I feel like I'm able to kind of speak more freely. It's a lot less cookie cutter than Instagram, I would say. Yes, but I think it's a good place for activism as well. Um, And like, there's a lot of whistleblowing on on Twitter. Um, A lot of things that are, that go viral usually go viral first on Twitter. So like that story that broke about the ice um, facility that was allegedly doing forced hysterectomies on immigrant women. That story first broke there, um, and so that's where that first got big. So Twitter is very political, I would say, which it's hard for me to be on there because that's where a lot of the hate that I get comes from, and like a lot of like crazy people are. <laughs>
1: I was just going to say, I feel like I steer clear of Twitter because, well, first of all, and I'll say that's like dynamics and I think it's interesting to understand each platform because I think that's actually really important, right? So Instagram, I love, it started in photography, right? Like Instagram really started as a photography and then it morphed into like mommy (laughs) blogger. And then now finally, like actual real people like healthcare providers were coming on and really like starting our force there. Twitter to me is much more, I'm not much of a reader, to be honest, which is why I started my, my, this podcast because I'm a talker, I'm an engager. Like I, I like this dynamic a lot more. It's just where my, my heart and soul is. But Twitter's very heated. And I'm like, I just, I, I, It makes me nervous. It's like I break out in sweats when I read this. I'm like, I I don't even want to. I had to take
0: breaks. (laughs) Yeah, I'm like, how do you handle this? Because I'm like, it's. I've also learned a lot. I've learned a lot on there as well, though, because there's just so many experts on Twitter, which is which is great. So there's full threads on really important subjects. So, I think that's a great great aspect about it. But if you piss off like certain far extreme groups. Then they attack you and hope to get your IP address and send you weird things. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, and this is where like dabbling in like cancer
1: culture, like cancel culture to me is like so crazy nowadays. It's like, how do you deal with this? Because I do feel like being a target of anything nowadays is so huge. I mean, cancel culture is like number one this year. And I'm like, people who, how do you deal with this? Like, I
0: think it's important to realize like cancel culture in and of itself started a long time ago so really it, it was initiated by folks on on twitter who were like you know what we're tired of people just being insensitive all the time online so basically it would call out like celebrities who said like some terrible things like just blanket statements or who were saying like racial slurs all these different things and they were like hey it's not okay to say this And a lot of the folks who who started that were like marginalized communities. And then in the last few years, like people started paying attention to it. And they're like, oh, this is like cancel culture is this. Really, it's more so like people being held accountable for like crappy behavior online who who have platforms, if that makes sense. Sometimes it gets to a point where it's just awful. And there's people who take things way too far and they try to get access to people's like home addresses and they're awful you know what I mean or they bully people off of platforms and that's that's not good either but I think instead of like focusing it focusing in on like cancel culture as a like giving it a name I think what's important is just everyone just being more aware of what they say and who it impacts and especially when yeah, you're 100 self-awareness A public figure and myself like I I try to make sure that what I'm saying isn't ableist or isn't racist or you know what I mean and it's and it's hard to to maybe I post something and I'm like "Hmm, maybe I said something I wasn't supposed to say and then people will say hey you're talking over this or you're doing you're doing some you're saying something that's insensitive and then you kind of just you can take it down you know what I mean and and acknowledge what you did wrong if that makes sense
1: this is where it's like that fine line of like, I'm always up for constructive feedback. Like you and I have had, have had discussions about this, right? Like, I think it's really, we get into a really dangerous place where you start muting people and cancel culture because of something they said. However, what I think is really important is we need to allow for growth. We need to allow for evolution. We need to allow for learning and you know, that's what personally I feel like my content is all about. It's all about, all right, like, look, like we, you can, I think we should allow people to make a mistake and, and own it and then move forward. And I just feel like we're in this dangerous place of people shutting people down so quick and being so aggressive about it. And it's like, well, wait a minute, like, let's get back to a constructive talk about it. Like, all right, like, maybe I saw this and it didn't, like, I didn't like that, like what's going on, you know, and you and I've had talks like that. And I think it's really good. It's it makes for really good conversation and being able to grow and learn. And, you know, especially for those of us who have platforms, you're right. It's important for us to have a good representation of humanism, to be honest. I think it's humanism and, you know, to understand one another and to have a good set the foundation of having good conversations and We're especially in the healthcare world where we should be leading people. And there's so much going on this year, right? You know, I've learned so much in the past couple months, which I think is great. Opened my eyes. And I've had a lot of amazing conversations with my personal friends, trying to support my people and really make a change in my community and you know, and and I talked about this early on where I felt like I don't understand racism. I really don't. Like I just I don't understand how someone can look at someone and say a slur or something or treat them inhumanely because literally the color of their skin. It just does not register in my brain. But I agree with you. I and what I love about you is you're standing up for the people who have gone through that, right? And I think that's important for a lot of us to do and to support our people and we all bleed red. Like, we're all blood. You know what I mean? Like, that's <laughs> not a political statement. That's not what I meant. <laughs> like, literally, like, our ble- like when you look at us, we're all humans. We all have the same fibers. And so, I, I think it is important to be able to have us. And you don't always have to agree with everybody, right? Like, we don't have to all agree on the exact same things. A really big key point today is to have everyone really try and be engaged and to learn and to embrace one another more important now than ever so if you speaking to upcoming providers or to providers in general what piece of advice do you have for them give three little tips or three nuggets you could leave with them
0: don't let like your mistakes especially when you're new get to your head and You are going to grow, and it's going to take some time before you know what you're doing. (laughs) That's number one. It's going to be a while before you really feel confident, and that's okay. That's normal. Um, Number two would be to ask questions, and that's kind of the safest way to be a provider. Whether you're a nurse, whether you're a, a doctor, ask questions. Before you do anything at all, make sure you, like, ask someone who's more experienced than you before you do anything because you just want to make sure that y- you don't go in blind, if that makes sense. Um, and then three is to remember yourself and focus on you when you need it. Listen to your body and your mind and take time for you. Self-care, try to focus on your mental state and if there's any signs of burnout try to get out of it um, if you can and find ways reach out to those around you um, and protect and preserve your mes- mental health because our job and our like our collective experiences in healthcare, it's difficult it's not Grey's Anatomy like I said earlier it is tough and especially now there is so much hurt there's um, a lot of pain that our patients are going through a lot of them are lonely because they can't have visitors so we we're absorbing a lot of that frustration a lot of that anxiety a lot of that sadness that our patients are experiencing and it's important to um, not hold that in and to let it out when you need to and um, go to therapy. <laughs> <laughs> I love you. Yes.
1: Get that therapy, you guys. Yes. <laughs> what are some tangible tips or what are some things that you feel like you, we can take away from this time in history? Like, what are you some things you think? Wash your hands
0: often. <laughs> <laughs> Mask Don't up. cough on people yeah. or sneeze on people. You know, sanitize your surfaces frequently. <laughs> but, but, like, jokes aside, like really it's it's been a a time of reflection and and really getting back to the human aspect like you said um of ourselves and and you know really cherish the moments you have with your loved ones because we're 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 kind of separated right now we're we're protecting each other by being far away from each other but cherish the moments that you have with your family members and you're close to them when it's safe because you never know when something like this is going to happen like this pandemic is just it's it's unprecedented Um, so kind of hold on to your loved ones when you can and then for really just use this time to be a better person to be more empathetic to care more to pay more attention to those around you and their needs and um, about the impact of what you do what it has on other people and especially your vote Um, and register to vote
1: (laughs) yeah that's a really good one everyone everyone needs to be registered to vote every single person if you are 18 or older (laughs) get your ass to the polls everybody uh what's the best piece of advice you received
0: when you have something like important or exciting or like different or a change in your life don't speak on it until it's happened because you don't want people to put the evil eye on you. You don't know who yes, you don't know oh, like who that. wants bu- who wants bad for you or who wants you not to do well. And if you give them any inkling of what's coming next in your life, they might put negative vibes or or anything bad towards it. You know what I mean? So, watch for the evil eye and keep your new successes or things that are happening for you in the future to yourself until they come to fruition. <laughs> yes,
1: I actually really love that you bring this up because um, I've really been, and this is probably why. Like, I've learned to guard my energy. Like, I've talked a lot about this, especially like in terms of nurse burnout, but also here on social media and sort of in your in your own space in your life and things like that. And I've kind of tuned into this idea of like, negative energy and the evil eye and you know, how to protect yourself. And I love that your mom
0: is so on that. Yes. (laughs) That's cutting edge. Yeah, I love that. I, I didn't tell my coworkers that I was changing jobs until it was like actually happening because I wanted to secure it. And I wanted to not have any negative, like, thoughts or yes juju. impact my decision yeah, or make don't me want second juju. guess myself and I'm happy so that's
1: kind of um also like a NICU nurse thing like you don't tell anybody about your pregnancy until you've passed like most NICU nurses until at least tw- the 12 weeks some nurses to the 20 week when you're doing the anatomy scan but because you just don't know you keep it to yourself until yeah. you know everything's yeah. good <laughs> I love oh, that. Your mom sounds like a goodness. wise woman. I think we would get along. Um, okay, l- last question before we head out. Um, if you were writing an autobiography, what would the
0: name of this oh, chapter geez. be for you? Um, I would say growth, honestly. I really, I like, I've changed as a person. I've grown immensely as a nurse. And um, it's been difficult, but I'm trying to kind of rise and get through it as best I can either crawling up the mountain or, you know but I think growth thank you so much Sarah for
1: coming on today I just I really wanted to have this conversation honestly I wanted to have this conversation earlier with you but I actually think this is a really good time <laughs> some really good timing. I think it's weird how like the world works. And I think this is just the right time for us to be having this conversation and to be highlighting you and talking about you, the evolution that you've had over. I've known, I think we met maybe less than a year ago, but the evolution I've seen in your, in your account and just everything that you're doing has been amazing. Um, and I'm glad for it. So it's great. So um, before we head out, do you have a resource, a Netflix, a podcast, um, just anything that you that the the listeners could find value from that you Um, could leave for them?
0: Definitely go to um, SNMA Student. Um, National Medical Association, look at their cause, and if you're able to donate to help support um, minority medical students, that would be amazing. (laughs) The president is my good friend on, on Instagram, so her name's um she's amazing but i try to plug them everywhere (laughs) yes so if you're able to donate or if you can follow them on instagram please do so (laughs) all right
1: (laughs) so before we head out pimp yourself out where can everybody find you all your platforms so
0: i'm she's in scrubs on instagram twitter and tiktok and then I think if you look up She's in Scrubs on YouTube, I also have some helpful like nursing student videos there if you're interested. I haven't updated it in a while, but if you're interested.
1: <laughs> okay. Oh, yes. I love that. Very cool. Well, and if anybody has questions, or you know, I want you to be a great resource for everybody, so if you guys have questions, head over, send yes, her DM. anything. Yes. Let her know what you
0: thought of this Let episode. me know about your mental yeah. health, what you're doing yeah. to manage it, and... Talk to me, I like to talk.
1: (laughs) All right. Thank you so much for tuning in today, you guys. If you want to head over to follow Sarah on Instagram, that's at she's in scrubs. Make sure you guys are all filling out those ballots that you have filled it out correctly, that you are getting engaged in what's going on in your local elections as well as national election as well. And if you have questions, you guys know I like directing you to the experts. So if you have questions about how to vote, what your vote means all the above, head over to Iamavoter.com. They have so many resources there for you. They break down everything so well in a way that I feel like our generation really needs and we get engaged with. So head over there for that. And then... Thank you. A huge thank you to all of you for tuning in. I just I can't tell you how thankful I am for every single one of you. It would mean the absolute world to me if you hit that subscribe button, you guys. And if you have not done so already, please head over to rate and review the show. Let me know what you thought. I love hearing your feedback. Specific. Please get specific. I love reading every single review. You guys, it just knowing what is I really am engaged with what's going on in my community. What's the pulse here? You know, how you're feeling. So definitely let me know in the rates and the reviews. If you do leave us a review on iTunes, leave your Insta handle in the review and I will be sending over some super cute stickers and our selfie badge reel featuring Selena, our selfie icon. You can find all of our episodes on www.tipsfromtori.com swipe up to find our show notes below they are loaded up with information for all of you about our guests and of course our sponsors and thank you so much you guys for listening and tuning in this week I hope you guys have a fabulous week and I will catch you next time bye guys